that pretty good? Well, it wasn't because of me, I can tell you that. <laughs> Praise God for uh, all the great voices we have and for Sylvia for what an incredible ministry with the choir. But let us have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you do reign over all. No matter how desperate things look in the world, you are on the throne. And you are in control. And you will one day come to get us all and to take us home. And we pray, Lord, this day that you would be honored through your word. That you would touch those in a way that you know need to be touched. And we always pray for those who don't know you that today they would make that decision to come to a knowledge of you. So we praise you, we thank you, and we honor you in your name. Amen. Well, let us open up our Bibles to the book of 2 Kings. Chapter 5 in the book of 2 Kings. And I had a lot of different names for the title of this message, and but the last name that seemed to be appropriate was the leopard, the leper and the servant girl. Because this is a great story. It's a tremendous story of the healing of a man with one of the most dreaded diseases of ancient times. But it really is a story of salvation. It illustrates a spiritual battle that was won. A man was rescued from the grips of Satan. There's a lot of people in this story. And each one has a part to play. Some good and some not so good. But I want you to just kind of think with me today because I think it's a classic illustration of God's love and how he reaches out to a people in utter darkness and uses their afflictions to draw them to himself and to respond to a call and to a grace and to a work and to repent. And I like one of our memory verses because it's a great verse in Romans where it says, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope, encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I love the fact that the Bible is a book and I was sitting at the breaking of bread today and it was like the Lord just made it clear to me that when we open up the word of God, we are actually looking into the heart of God. God is saying, this is who I am. It's beautiful opening up the scriptures. It's beautiful reading the stories that are in the Bible. 
God is telling us, I am a compassionate, wonderful, loving God. And here's the story. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm all about. And it's a shame when we don't get that. It's a shame when we don't see it. It's a shame when we don't appreciate it. It's a shame we don't bow down when we hear it because we ought to bow down and worship and fall down because what a wonderful God we have. And this story is a great illustration of that. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man, and with his master was highly res respected because by the Lord had been given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Ar Armenians had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and then ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, And now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes and that he sent word to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So, Na so Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. Please listen to these words because as I mentioned about the beautiful words that our Lord has penned it's important that we listen to them and we concentrate on the words and that we allow the Spirit of God to use these in our hearts. And he says that he told, Naaman came with his horses and they stood at the doorway and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then 
when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. When he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all of the earth but in Israel. So please take a present from your servant now. But he says, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman says, If not, please let your servant at least be given two mules loads of earth, for your servant will no more offer burnt offerings, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant when my master goes into the house of Reman to worship, and he leans on the hand, and I bow myself in the house of Reman. When I bow myself in the house of Reman, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. And he said to him, go in peace. So he departed from him some distance. Now, I read a lot of verses. And I read them because I think the picture needs to be clear. Absolutely clear what God is pinning in those words because it is a beautiful transformation. But it is God's purpose, God's intent, God's goal, God's commitment. God's compassion to do that work, a great work in this man. And that's what happened that day. And our first point, we're going to just discuss four points. But the first point is I can see I'm a leper. I can see I'm a leper. And it talks about how Naaman saw himself. And the first verse is beautiful. Because it says that he was the captain of the army. He saw himself as the captain. You know he saw himself as the captain. If I was the captain of the army, believe me, you would know I'm the captain of the army. Because I knew it and he knew it. It says that he was a great man with his master. And we know great men, great women. They recognize it. Believe me. They recognize it because a lot of people tell them, you're great, you're wonderful, you're everything. And it says he was highly respected. People walked around him, and basically you can imagine what they did when they saw him coming. That's Naaman, great man, captain, wonderful. And it says also he was a, a great warrior. He fought well, but he was a leper. But he was a leper. He was like a dead man. Now, you think about leprosy. In Israel, they really kind of made it clear what to do with lepers because they understood God had told them in a couple chapters of Leviticus about the importance of lepers and what you need to do with lepers, how it was a terrible and incurable disease. And in one verse in Leviticus, it says, the man is diseased and unclean. The priest shall pronounce him unclean because of the sore on his head 
the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes. Let his hair be unkept. Cover the lower parts of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has this infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Israel was clear. If you're a leper, you don't belong here with us. Live outside the camp. But you know, leprosy, you know, if you don't know about it, I was listening to this gentleman, and he was saying he was a missionary, and he actually saw it. He says, you know, it's amazing what happens. He says the hairs fall out, the nails fall out, the eyebrows fall out. There's decay. The joint of your fingers and toes, they slowly fall off. The gums are absorbed and the teeth disappear. The nose and the eyes and the tongue, they slowly are consumed. And finally, the wretched victim sinks into the earth and disappears. I mean, it is an ugly picture. I can see I'm a leper. He saw it. That's what was really great about Naaman. Now, we must understand that God, as I mentioned, with his heart of compassion, with his love for each one of us, and his commitment to save us and to rescue us, he uses leprosy because he wants us to understand something. He wants us to see ourselves as lepers. So he uses leprosy as what? A picture of sin. The ugliness that I just gave you a little synopsis of, of the leper, is how we look to God. All of us. Every single person. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are sinners. All of us are lepers in God's eyes. Lepers away from the camp. We should be put out of the camp. We're outside of God's will. We are not in the family of God. And he created, he showed us the picture of leprosy. He could have showed us other elements. He could have showed us a cold and said, this is the perfect picture. He could have showed us all kind of diseases, but he showed us a disease that is so ugly because it's very important that we see how ugly we are to God in contrast to God. And it's interesting how the Armenians, they didn't have the same strict guidelines as the Israelites because he roamed around with his people. It doesn't say he was outside the camp. All it says is that he was a great man, highly respected. He hung out with the people. Why? Because sin didn't really matter to the Armenians. They're all sinners. He just kind of looked like a different kind of sinner to them. It wasn't a big deal. Today, it's not a big deal. Sin is not a big deal. It's like it all is no big deal. We hear stories about gay stuff, and it's no big deal. We hear stuff about people doing the most despicable things, and the world says it's not a big deal. It's ugly, but it's okay. Well, God says it's not okay. It's not okay. 
So our first point is something absolutely, unbelievably important for any person to come to the knowledge of God. And every single person in this room who knows the Savior knew at one point, I'm a leper. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm hopeless. I'm ugly inside. I'm unworthy. And until we get to that point, my goodness, there can't be a repentance because we don't even see how ugly we are. God, because of his great love, wanted us to see how ugly we really are. We're sinners, ugly in God's eyes, ugly. And Naaman saw that he was a leper. And I admire him for that. Because that's step one, number one in repentance. If we sin one time, we're ugly to God. The Bible says there is none righteous, not even one. All of us have sinned. All of us. There's no one who seeks God. There is no one worthy of heaven. None. Zero. It's a blank spot. Do you see that this morning? Christians see it. There might be somebody in here today that you're just starting to see that because God has been showing you how really ugly you are. But isn't it great he didn't just leave him there? Isn't it great that as I mentioned, God, we see the wonderful heart. This story is one of the most beautiful stories in scripture because it shows the ugliness of this man and this man had everything going for him. And there are people in here who might have everything going for you you might have a great job in this, in this spiraling economy. You might be doing okay. And everything is basically okay. You're kind of navigating through it, and it's not that big of a deal. You're making it. You're struggling, but you're making it. And you lived a long life, and you're highly respected. But you're a leper. You're a sinner in God's eyes. You're in need of salvation. But the beautiful part about it is he said, I'm not going to leave you there. And that's where we go to our second point. Who can I use? Who can I use? Who can I use? The Lord says, use me, Lord. Use me. The little girl. Use me, Lord. In her little squeaky voice. I I'm ready. I see a man who's hurting. I see a man who's in sin. I see a man who's dying. Use me. I'm, I'm willing. I, I, I'm willing to do it. I'm pointing him. There's Jesus. Use me, Lord. It says the Armenians had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl, taken her captive. How did they take her captive? I don't know, but I can tell you with the violence that we see today, we should just picture that they were more violent then. They could have killed and done all kinds of things to her family. But they took her. She was taken. 
from the land of Israel. She was a slave. She was nothing. But it says she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he could cure him of his leprosy. Oh, the heart of a girl like that. Can you imagine? That's what Christ does to a man or a woman when he saves us. He changes us and makes us into something that's other than worldly. He makes us into just an unselfish, just sweet person. At least that's his goal. So if I had to picture this little lady, and I had to give her a name, and some of you already know what name I would give her, because she's sitting in here. Mike, you know her name, right? Because it's your daughter. I could call her Jessica. A person who shows kindness to everybody who's looking about doing God's work because he sees, she sees the condition and says, I don't like that person suffering. This little girl was a remarkable person. And I wish they would have given us her name. They tell us Naaman's name, but they don't tell us her name. Well, as far as I'm concerned, she's an angel. Because in her misery, She looks at Naaman, her boss, the one who stole her, and cares about his soul. Do we care about the souls of those around us, our bosses, our neighbors? Who can I use? Use me. Can we say that? Who can I use? Well, I'm ready. Everybody in here can say, I'm ready. Use me. The Lord has his hand up and he's saying, who can I send in this place? Who can I use in this place? Can we say, Lord, send me? Are we willing to say that? Truly? If we are, it's going to cost us something. I can tell you that. It's going to cost us ourselves. We have to give up what we want. We have to give up our desires. We have to give up our focus. We have to give up being who we were and start focusing on what God wants us to be and who he wants us to be. God says, I'm going to use you because you are prepared for my work. Are we parents preparing our children for the work of God? Are we feeding them properly? We laugh about how some people in here eat. And Adol's joked about a lot, broccoli and vegetables, and, but he's healthy. Why? Because he eats good food. He's not just healthy because it just happens. He just gets up in the morning and he's healthy. By the grace of God, he's healthy, but he's paid a price. 
eat some stuff I don't want to eat. Not every day. But think about the families. We need to put in, we need to just develop our children. We need to put in them what? The principles of God. We need to embed that into their hearts. Because this little girl, all she did when she was squeezed, she just overflowed with love for a man in need because her parents, I think, fed her the word of God regularly. And they showed her Christ regularly. They lived the life that glorified Christ, and she was just basically a mirror of that. That's all you saw. What a beautiful, beautiful illustration of a servant being willing to pay the price to be used by God. And it starts in the family. And then children, young people, we take the baton and we run with what we've been fed. And we, be, we allow the Lord to use us. She was available. There was a need. Send me. You know, I was at the park and, and I do some really Silly things sometimes. I'm walking around the park, and I see some of the dumbest things sometimes. And it just blows my mind, and, and you know, but it's beautiful. And uh, I saw something in the other day, and, and birds. Birds that hang out on the ground. And they don't know. There's certain places when you walk in the morning, you'll see these birds, they're hanging out in the grass. And I'm walking past them thinking, what are you doing hanging out here? I mean, they're flying by me on the curb. You're a bird. Shouldn't you be in the air? <laughs> literally. So I start, I called them bush birds because they were in bushes too. I mean, literally, I go to my house and there's noises in the bush. I'm wondering, what's in the bush? And they're birds in a bush. The bush is this high, some of them. But they're on the ground. And I think about mudsuckers and catfish, bottom dwellers. And we can be that. You know what a catfish does? It eats what's on the, on the bottom of the ocean or the lake. And I start looking at these birds thinking, man, God, you gave me a little analogy. A bush bird hangs out down here, not interested in up here, not flying, because I look around and I see other birds on posts. They're sitting on the trees and they're looking, and they have a great vision of what's going on around them because they're sitting high up and they see what's going on. These bush birds don't have a clue of what's going on, except down here. And we can spend our time so much focusing on down here that God can't use us. Who can I send? You can't send me because I'm a bush bird. I hang out down here. I'm a bottom dweller. I love earth. I'm enjoying this thing down here. May it never be. We don't need to enjoy this here. We need to be up in the sky. We need to be like an eagle flying and saying, Lord, use me. Use me. Send me somewhere where I can be used and be a blessing. She was not a bottom dweller. She was an eagle. She despised this world. The bush birds, all they do is eat everything on the ground. I don't want to be so hung up on what's here to not focus on what's there. Now we need to move ahead because that was, took more time. But point three is my way or the highway. 
Like that, huh? My way or the highway? She said to her mistress, I wish that the, my master, you know, would be cured of his leprosy. And then Naaman went and told his master, saying, and you know, that's an interesting thing, how Naaman just responded and went to the king after the wife told him what was going on with the little girl. Can you imagine a little girl, and he's gone to doctors, you, you would figure. I mean, I would figure because he was so respected, he had all kind of just weirdos coming in trying to heal him. Because he's like the man. He's got all the money. He's got all the prestige. I can heal you, Naaman. But a little girl says, I, I have a plan. You can go to see this prophet. And he goes to the king just from that. Why? I kind of think she must have had an incredible testimony. May our testimony be so bright, so lovely, that people, when we say a word, they just say, this is definitely the truth because this Christian is real. They're not a fraud. They're not a fake. What a light she must have had for him to go to the king just from a word she spoke. So he went to the king. And we know all the verses, and I mentioned them to you, and then we know about how he went to the king, and the king told him, um, you know, we'll send some gifts. And they sent gifts, and he went to the other king, and the king says, well, I don't know what to do. I can't heal. And then, of course, we know about the prophet. Elisha hears about it, and then he goes to Elisha, and we know he says to Elisha, you know, comes to the door, and then Elisha is kind of like an interesting prophet. He doesn't come to the door. He sends his servant to the door, a little messenger to the door, and tell him to go and dunk seven times. And he's furious about that. What do you mean dunk in a, in a lake? I got plenty of lakes close to me. Farpar and Abana, whatever they're called. Isn't that interesting? And I read uh, that they said that one of these guys wrote about Abana. It says it, it means a sinking weight. And the other lake, Far, Farfar, whatever it is, means frustration. And that's what they are. The other lakes of the world, the other choices of the world are basically just frustrating because they don't bring us to Christ. And we read that Naaman was furious, and he said the key two words, I thought. I thought, I thought I can do it this way. I thought I can get saved this way. I thought Muhammad was just as good. What do you mean Christianity? Why is that the only way? What do you mean sinner? I thought all good people go to heaven, and I'm good. I thought, I'm not that bad. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought. And he was just thinking away. I thought, I thought I could do it this way. And he was wrong. And isn't it interesting how the servants came near him and says, my father, if he had told you some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Isn't that interesting? Because we want to be part of it. We want to actually participate in it. We want to say, I did it. God says, come to me all. All. He says, I will give you what? I will give you rest. You won't earn it. But you know, they called him. They saw who Naaman was, and they said, the pride, Naaman, if he would have told you something great to do, 
you would have been just gung-ho. Go out and just kill a, a thousand people and bring back, you know, a couple of garments, and then you'll get cured. That's what Naaman was looking for. He had all his gifts. He had his gold and his silver and everything, his clothes, 10 changes of clothes. I'm not sure why he had 10 changes of clothes. But they said to him, if he would have said this, you would have done that to the Levite. And isn't that what happens with us? The scriptures make it so easy that all you have to do is come. All you have to do is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But doesn't that sound like that's not enough? Come on, be honest. Come on, be honest. You come to the Lord and you say, I repent. I see that I'm a leper, I'm a sinner, and I believe you died on the cross for me, and I accept you as Lord and Savior, and now I get to go to heaven? No, come on. What else do I need to do? Because that doesn't seem right. And Naaman's like, give me a break. I want to conquer a nation because I know that this leprosy is big, and I got to do something big to get out of it. And he said, no. Remember Dorothy, Wizard of Oz? She came to the wizard. She couldn't want to go home. And the wizard's like, go and kill that wicked witch of the west or east. I don't even know. And bring back her broomstick, and then you can go home. Do this great thing, and you can come home. And what does she do? They actually did it. We know about the movie and the shrinking stuff. I remember that a lot of times. I'm shrinking, I'm shrinking. <laughs> and I love that movie. And she brings back, and all of a sudden, it's like, that didn't work. And, and he, was not, he wasn't ready for that. It's like, I didn't know you were, were going to be able to get the broom. I mean, I can't send you home. And then all of a sudden, find out that it was clicking. Clicking of the heels. Three times, right? Wasn't it? I mean, you know. Don't act like you don't know. <laughs> Everybody in here knows the movie. You've seen the movie. You click the heels three times, and then... She says, but that happened. She clicked, and then it happened. Well, he says that instead of clicking, you just have to dip. <laughs> instead of clicking the heels, you dip your head. But was it the dipping? It wasn't the clicking, and it wasn't the dipping. It wasn't. It was the faith. He did what the man of God told him to do, and he was saved. It wasn't the dipping seven times. He obediently did it with the right heart. He said, I got it. Something clicked for him that day. After they, the servants came to him and said, if it would have been great, you would have done it. And it clicked. And we don't know what clicked, but something clicked. Is it clicking with you? Is it clicking yet? Is it clicking that you can't do it? Is it clicking that it's impossible to do it? Is it clicking that God is calling you and saying, I want you to be saved, just like he did with Naaman? He sent a messenger. He sent a message. And there was a little rough areas there, but he finally got it and responded. And what happened? The Lord forgave him. He dipped. And it says that he was clean. Verse 14 says, so he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. 
He did what the man of God called him to do. And it says that and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. God says, you do what I ask you to do and you will be clean like a little child. And he was clean. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I can make you clean. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Beautiful. He got it. And everybody in this room that is saved got it. On one day, we can all look back and say, I got it. I saw the picture. I saw who I was, the type of life I've been living, and I'm tired of lying to myself and playing with myself. I just can't do it anymore. I can't fake it anymore. I can't do it. He can do it. And all I have to do is do what the prophet says, do what the man of God says. And the Bible says just do what God says to do. Confess you're a sinner and repent. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Simple message, incredible outcome. This man that day was changed. Why? Because it was God's purpose. It's always his purpose. It's always his commitment. It's always his desire for everyone who doesn't know him to come to another. And it's not an accident that somebody is in this room hearing this message because it's not my message. It is not. This is the word of God. I'm saying it, but it's not me. This is his plan. This is not my plan. Because if it was my plan, you would have to pay me something to get saved. <laughs> but it's God's plan, and there is no payment. It is free. It says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, you have nothing to offer. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. He says, come. There is no cost. I paid it all. I gave it all for you. Whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. It says he was changed and his priorities were different. And we hear about his priorities, how he came and wanted to offer a gift. He was a new man, a new creation. He was different because when we come to Christ, he makes us into new creation, a new creation. He was a different man. You notice how he called, first of all, he called the man of God servant. I'm your servant. Oh, highly respected commander, now his servant, because God changed his heart. He now realized his position, that it was grander as a servant than as a commander, because now he was a servant under the king of kings and lord of lords. And that's our last point, and it's only a minute. Naaman becomes a new man. 
Do you want to become a new person today? Be a Naaman. Be a Naaman. See that you're a sinner, a leper. See your condition and really see it and say, I, I see it. I see something's not right. I see it's not right. I see it. And then believe it and do what God has called you to do, which is just to confess that you're a sinner and to believe. And he will set you free. I read a story about a businessman who was trying to sell a property and it was empty for many months and needed repairs because vandals had gone and just ripped the place apart. So he showed it to a prospective buyer and he was trying to sell it and he's telling the guys that he'll correct everything in the house. I'll, I'll change the windows. I'll change the doors. I'll fix it up so it's really pretty because I want you to buy this place from me. I need to sell it. But, the, you know, the, 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 the prospective buyer said something really interesting. He says, no, forget about the repairs. When I buy this place, I'm going to build something completely different. I don't want the building. I want the site. And compared with renovation God has in mind, our efforts to improve our own lives are trivial. He makes all things new, all things new, and he wants in a site the permission to just build us. He doesn't want us. All the, the nooks and crannies, all the, the windows broken and the stuff that's really not right with this building, this life. He says, I'll take it. Let me rebuild it. And that's what he wants to do today. Rebuild our lives. Change us. And that's what he did with Naaman. He made him a new man. Do you want to become a new man? A new woman today, all you have to do is just say, I'm going to do what the man of God, the word of God says. That's all. No great thing. No paying any money. No doing anything. And servants here, Christians, I challenge all of us to be like this little girl and go out in the world and have a testimony and share with people and love those that are unlovable. Love the people who we don't want to love, our bosses, our neighbors, who will get on our nerves. Love them, because that's God's plan. It's not my plan, it's God's plan. And for those here who don't know him today, I read something that says two, out of 20, 253 Christian friends, this guy did a study on the ages that they were converted, and what he discovered is those between 20, under 20 was 138 out of 253. Between 20 and 30, 85. Between 30 and 40, 22. Between 40 and 54. Between 50 and 63. Between 60 and 71. What do you see? Satan works on us. And the older we get, we tend to get farther away. Those are real interesting statistics. I pray for you today. But the good news is that that's not God's plan. It doesn't matter about the age. It just matters about the willingness to accept him as Lord and Savior. And today, you have an opportunity.
And the beautiful thing about it is it's not going to cost you. It's not even going to cost you because I've heard men tell people to come up and stand on stage or bow. You don't even have to do that. Just have to, in your heart, say, I want to be saved. And everybody's going to close their eyes right now. We're all going to close our eyes. And if there's somebody here today that says, I see that I'm a Naaman, a sinner, and I want to get saved today. I want to be changed today. All I want to do is just believe the word of God. If there's somebody here today that wants to pray that prayer and wants to get saved, just put your hand up and put it down. And that's all you have to do. Anybody today wants the Lord Jesus to come into their heart, wants to be saved, wants to be made new. Anyone today? Put your hand up and down. Well, I pray for all those who are here. I pray for those that are ready to make that decision. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you brought us here. I don't know if I gave you what you deserved as far as your message, Lord. But I wanted to, Lord Jesus. I wanted to please you. And I pray for everybody in this room. Those that know you already, I pray that we would be lights, that we would shine bright for you. And those in this room, because there always are those that don't know you, that they would see themselves as Naaman saw himself. See that he was a sinner, a leper, in need of salvation, need of cleansing, and that they would make a decision to give their lives to Christ today. I pray that. Even though their hands didn't go up, I still pray that you would just stay on their mind and on their hearts and that you would just impress upon him how much you love them and care for them and want only the best for them. So we just give you this day. We thank you that we have you, that we have the word of God, that we have the salvation as a free gift. And we praise your name. And we love you, Lord Jesus. And we honor you in your name. Amen.